Alrighty, and welcome back to another episode. This is very exciting. This is episode part two for our cannabis. We got one more after this. So we're going to just talk a little bit about everything. But before we get started, Melinda's going to, again, fill us in on what's in our cups. So again, we have cannabis tea. We are just continuing our conversation on cannabis this week and um, Beltane a little bit later. So nothing new as far as the teas, just going to continue. And as we touched on last week, like we said, stress relief, anxiety, depression, inflammation, PTSD, you know, it goes on. And of course, ask your doctor, it's different from person to person, but that's the gist of it. Well, with the peppermint that's in the tea, if you have a little bit of an upset stomach, this is a great way. It's not an overly strong mint. I have a problem with heavy mints. They upset my stomach, actually. But this is a light enough that I'm actually able to drink it. It's it's not a problem. But uh, just the smell of it, it's got that like minty scent going on. Yeah, it is good. And so Pam got hers in, so she's able to have it. And she has hers with, you have yours with honey today, right? Yeah. Yes. And see, I don't, I don't particularly feel like I need honey, but I'm sure it's delicious with honey as well. It is very good with the honey. Um, it comes with a, a straw of honey that you snip and you squish in there. So 10 minutes later, I got the honey out of the straw. <laughs> That's because I'm so coordinated in the kitchen. Um, but no, it's I like it with a little bit of honey. It actually, um, to me, the honey tones down a little bit the mint for me. So I don't have as much problems, but actually it's not bad at all. I was um, pleasantly surprised because I thought it was going to taste like the yard. <laughs> I was going to say grass, literally. <laughs> yeah, like I went out and, you know, cut the grass. Right. Myself. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's something I could drink at night that I wouldn't have a problem with. I mean, it's not overbearing in taste or the way it feels. So I think... I could probably do this in the evening. It's not bad. Mine came with five bags. The bags are so cool. <laughs> I know. And you get a little crystal on your bag? I got tiger's eye. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I love it. Um, um, and it's kind of like, a to, for me at least, it's kind of like a, a chamomile type. It's like a relaxing. Um, it's very subtle. It's not like strong, like if you're consuming otherwise it's just like a very mellow and then of course tea's relaxing anyway because you have like the hot the warm it's just soothes well they say actually just going through the motions of making tea can de-stress you just mm -hmm. you know filling your little pot getting it hot putting your stuff in there getting it all set up can actually relax you so maybe the english do have something about this yes i would believe it yeah that's what they do it every day <laughs> it it is i mean four o'clock tea time sounds great to me at work especially oh i know i love it it's funny at work it's funny you say that at work because at work well before i was working from home before the pandemic um i would literally have a whole drawer of my desk and it was just herbal teas and everybody knew if they needed a herbal tea that they came to me for tea because that's just they knew i was the office witch and i had you need herbs, I got them. <laughs> I'm the coffee witch. Um, I'm I first thing in the morning. I've got to have my coffee, and right after that, I'm good. But you know, it's kind of like 
you see the cups where it says, you know, don't, yeah, don't talk to me until the first cup's down and gone. And right. then I'm good. And then you're good after that. Kind of. <laughs> I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I, I, I mean, I used to drink coffee every now and then, like if I sipped on my mom's coffee, but if I drink coffee now, I enjoy a good cup, but it has to taste like dessert. Like I can't, it has to be like right. vanilla, caramel, you know, it can't Macchiato, be almond right. milk, latte. Like that, yeah. it can't be like black coffee. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm look at my name name. Do I have a choice? I know. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a coffee holic, but the tea is really good. It is relaxing. Um, and like I said, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be enough. I'm honest. There's teas. I know they're good for me and I know I should drink them, but I get them to here and it's like, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> or I'll do something really bad and pour a whole bunch of other stuff in there that I shouldn't be drinking anyway, you know? So at that point. Well, that's how I feel about, you know, black licorice tea. Like, oh, I know it's good for my throat, but oh, it's Ooh, so good. yeah. If you're well, not... licorice root, I should say, but it tastes like black licorice. Candy. Yeah, it does. And I will attest to that. And it's great. I did want to comment. Uh, everybody teases me, and I, I've, I've been teased a few times because I do this all the time. Um, I actually spoke with Rich the other night, and he says, we were talking, and I was, we were talking about music and how it soothes people and just makes you feel, it, it speaks sometimes to your soul and you don't realize it. And we, we're just talking about, you know, witches and music and that kind of thing. And so I, and this is actually, the reason it's here is because it's in my computer and I play it when mm -hmm. I'm on my computer. So I have the album cover here, right, with my computer. So um, I, I said, oh, and guess what I got? Because he was in the group and I just pulled it up and he was like, oh, I heard, I said, I know I'm embarrassing you. He goes, no, no, no. I said, he says, yeah, Melinda says you show it all the time. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I told him. Yeah, I said, I show it every week, we show it every week. <laughs> he was very, very excited and super appreciative because he's such a nice guy. And he oh, was yeah. like, I can't believe you do that. He's like, that's like so cool. You guys actually every week. And I said, well, yeah. And he's seen the show a few times and he's seen it. So he, he's, he's very sweet about it. And I said, well, yeah, it's in my computer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, he's like, you listen to it. And I'm like, well, Yeah. <laughs> Right. No, I love, I love it. I love this stuff. Like I said, it's so relatable. It's, it's like refreshing. It really is. And music is a big thing with us. So, and now you're going to give us a little bit of information that we didn't get last week. Um, yes. going to help us out this week. Yes. So this week we are diving in a little bit more to the medical side of cannabis. So last week we touched on some of the history and how it's used, you know, in ancient cultures and how it became illegal in the States here. And so now we're going on to some of the medical aspects of it. So um, before I get into that, wanted to touch a little bit on, we were talking a little bit about hemp last week. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to clarify something. So some people will talk about hemp and cannabis as if it's two different things, but it is not. So it's all one plant. It's all cannabis. It's all from the same plant. What it is, is if, 
a, a way you could look at it is it's two different species of cannabis. So hemp is going to be a species of cannabis plant that is very low in THC, high CBD, which is CBD is the non-psychoactive effect. So it's, it, there's no high there, um, but you still get the anti-inflammatory, the, the, um, you know, stress, anxiety, all of that stuff, it still helps with. Um, so, and, and those are the thing, those are the plants that were used for, you know, the rope and the clothes and the sails and things like that, that we talked about. Um, and so the hemp seeds we talked about a little bit can be used for food and you can make hemp, hemp oil, hemp milk. You can, um, do all sorts of things with that. Um, one thing to ask mm -hmm. about the hemp seeds today, we went to a place and got like a bowl with all that's healthy, mm -hmm. surprisingly. They had one with hemp seeds. Yes. And there's no psychoactive effects, so it's not going to be the same thing. Now, and that's what I was saying last time. Now, if you're getting like marijuana seeds that are coming from a high THC plant, that's going to be a different story and not necessarily as edible as, you know, uh, hemp seeds would be. Um now, the hemp contains 0.3% or less THC content by dry weight. Um, and it, basically, it's such low levels that it cannot get you high. And so that's why CBD is legal, um, because there's no psychoactive effects, but you're still getting the health benefits. Um, so it, it's basically a way to, it's like a lineage of a plant, or like I said, it's two species you can say, but it's all one plant. It's all cannabis. Um, so the, let's see. Yeah. So no matter what the label, all of the flowers are cannabis. So just like hemp, personal use are based on the shape. So the shape of the plant. So I was going to go over that a little bit. Um, oh, and you, they also have like hemp nut butter and, um, you can also, hemp is what's cultivated for the CBD medicine. So that's what they get. The CBD is from the hemp, not from the, what some would say call marijuana, which would be the THC, but it's all interchangeable. Um, like I said, it's just another name. For that. Now, there's different kinds of subspecies, if you want to say that. Um, and that is what you will commonly hear referred to as sativa and indica. Um, and so the plants are actually different shapes and heights. Um, now, the there are two main, so sativa and indica are the two main, but really they're, they're four. But the two, you'll hear sativa and indica the most. But just to break it down a little bit more, so there's cannabis sativa, which is a narrow leaf hemp. It has low THC and high CBD. And it's, um, then there's cannabis indica, um, 
chinensis. <laughs> I know I'm going to mess these words up. Um, it's a more of a broadleaf, still low THC. Now this is low CBD as well. Um, these are originated in Eastern Asia. It is bred and used chiefly for fiber and seeds. So the low, the broadleaf hemp. So this is a hemp that's used for that. Then you have the cannabis indica indica, which is kind of funny. It's an, this is also a narrow leaf, but this is high THC, low CBD. And, um, this is a, this subspecies was originated in India and arrived to the United States in the 19th century. Now these were again, high THC. So they're used in psychoactive medicines. Um, and the effects are described as heady and energizing. In the recreational cannabis community, this plant is commonly called sativa today. So the indica indica is a high THC, low CBD, but it's the, what we would, if you go into a dispensary, if you say I'm looking for sativa, that is technically the, the cannabis indica indica species that you're getting. So not to confuse you. Yeah. So, um, and that's going to be the daytime or what's going to keep you energized and keep you going, keeping you alert. Then you have the cannabis indica Afghanica, which originated in Afghanistan. Now this is high THC, high CBD, and this is going to be the indica couch. So this is going to be the nighttime, the body high, the, um, this is what you see in Hollywood as the stereotypical stoner. They're on Indica. <laughs> They're on the Indica Afghanica. <laughs> and, um, these are also broad leaves and, uh, th these arrived in the United States in the 1970s. It's a shorter plant, robust and dark green leaves. Um, and the THC levels in these types of plants are at least 10% or above. So people are growing these for the purpose of the high THC. And then there's a really beautiful plant. <laughs> and this is a really great book. So this is the Holistic, Gui Holistic Healing Guide to Cannabis by Tammy Sweet. Um, if anyone is interested, this really breaks down a lot of information as far as the plant, but then it goes into a lot of information about the anatomy of the plant as far as male and female and the seeds and the different effects on your body. Um, so there's a lot of different things. Now going a little bit further, and I'm not going to touch on it too much because again, very, very complex. And honestly, you just have to sort of sit down and learn because it's so much, you just have to research, but there's also something, um, part of the plant called trichomes. Now this is where you hear like the hairs or they look furry or they're sticky. That's what you hear that that's from the trichomes of the plant. So these are hair like glands, and this is where the cannabinoids and the terpenes are stored in the plant. Now, they're easily seen with the naked eye. They look, they can look like sparkly jewels. <laughs> um, 
and they cover the flowers and the small leaves around the flowers. They function much like hair on our arms, which warm us and prevent water loss. Trichomes on the surface and undersides of the flowers warm and moist, uh, excuse me, trap warm and moist air on the surface of the leaf, and they create an ideal microenvironment protecting leaf, flower, and seeds from ultraviolet radiation and sunlight. So basically, it's it's its own um, mechanism of protecting itself while it's growing. Um, but, and there's, it makes six different types of trichomes. And just to give you a picture, this is what trichomes look like. Oh, how cute. So they look like frost almost. Yeah, it does. Um, and this is where they um you can create resin out of this i mean there's a lot of different things i don't know how well the pictures will show up but they're very kind of furry looking <laughs> but um so that's another part of it and here you go here's the um going back to the hemp seeds there's a bunch oh, of hemp seeds. yeah okay and um, it actually says 35% of the weight of, of a pollinated flower is from the seeds. So it makes up a lot of the plant. Um, and the seeded flowers can be used for medicine, but they're less potent. So you can, but you can use them. Um, and there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. There's trichomes, there's terpenes, which has to do with... Um, Another part of the plant that has to do with different ways that it can help your body. It has different, it affects the receptors differently in your body. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I know we touched a little bit last week on our endocannabinoid system. So I'll be touching on that. Well, you have to show us your shirt. I, I was fascinated by oh. the shirt she has on. Okay. Come on, so show us what it is. So this is the THC molecule, and it, it is it, the definite. So the shirt is the definition. <laughs> I don't know if it'll show backwards on, but it's. Um, I can read it. <coughs> so yeah, tetrahydrocannabinol delta nine, a crystalline compound that is the main active ingredient of cannabis, and that is the actual THC molecule. So. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I had to get it, of course. <laughs> um, well, actually, it's a learning factor because when you're learning about the different chemicals and, and anytime you're learning about medication of any sort, if you have a visual, it mm -hmm. really helps you when you're looking at it because not, not that you can just look down at your shirt, but it right. gives you the chemical compound and how it's put together. So if you... Oh, yeah. When you get into that kind of stuff, that makes it easier for a person to look at it. If like I had to take a lot of that stuff, um, chemistry and stuff, when I was taking my degree, so it's like, oh, well, that to me resonates because I I can see it, and it right. gives me a better understanding. But exactly. I have a couple of questions about the hemp seeds, only yeah. because here lately, and it's just been in the last couple of years, um, I've been seeing a lot of them in the um, vegan stores 
and mm -hmm. um, a lot of different places like that, health food stores, Whole Foods, and you're seeing it, and I'm in Florida too, so I'm, I'm seeing it. And like I said today, we ordered these fruit and nut bowls, you know, and had all this fruit, fresh mangoes and yogurt and granola, and it was just so good. And they actually had hemp seeds. I almost got it, but I'm like, what do they taste like? I don't, I don't know that I've had hemp seeds by itself like that. I think I've had it mixed in like a shake before. Um, from what I understand, they're a little nutty. They're, they're a good source of protein. Um, they also, I thought that I found something in here about the seeds specifically, but, um, so they really do have a value other than for the kids to all go around saying, I got hemp seeds on my, you know, Sunday. Oh yeah, no, no, they, I mean, they're definitely good. Um, but yeah, I can't remember, I can't remember what exactly, but it, but like I said, it's used for like nut butter, um, hemp oil, hemp milk, they make it out of, it's sort of similar, you know, where, when they came out with like the, um, what were the, not the chia seeds i'm thinking of chia beds leave me oh, alone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what i'm thinking of what are the seeds that everyone um eats that i can't i can't eat them because the texture but it's like a health food thing but it's similar to that but you're getting all the benefits um no it's more of like a health food it's it's got like a weird texture i can't i can't think of the name of it right now but um but it's Try, try, no, not try. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to bother me. Yeah. C H I A. They have those seeds too. You could get Maybe on your. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. But, um, but you get all the benefits though of the hemp. So you're still getting like the anti inflammatory, you're getting the, the stress, the anxiety. So you're getting, because remember, the hemp is where all the CBD, the high CBD, the low THC. So you're not getting the psychoactive, but you're still getting all the benefits of the hemp. So, yeah. So I was yeah. just curious because it was so funny. I mean, you would never have heard hemp seeds anywhere right. until here recently. And they had the chia seeds, they had hemp seeds. And I was like, oh my goodness, hemp seeds. And I'm laughing because the young lady who was going to go get the bowls was like, well, what's hemp seeds? And I'm like, mm, okay. So very quickly I glazed over what it was, but it was just funny. Cause she's like, Oh, maybe we'll get that. We'll be happy for the rest of the day at work. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to work. Right. Gonna exactly. A whole lot more than that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, there's a little bit, so just to break it down a little bit more, but not to get into too much detail, because again, it's so complex. It can get very confusing. Um, the basic breakdown of the cannabis plant is you have acids and the acids in the, so you have THCA, CBDA, CBCA, CHCVA, CBGA. So these acids form cannabinoids and they are precursors to active forms and they have many healing properties. So the acids in of itself have healing properties. Now, in order for these to be activated, 
you you may have heard of like decarbing or de I can never pronounce it decarboxylation. <laughs> um, that is when you have to if you've seen people ever cooking with cannabis, they always like pop it in the oven on like 250 for like 30 minutes because you have to heat activate in order for those um, in order for the THC compounds to basically be more concentrated. So that's sort of what activates it. And that's why before you start cooking with it, you'll see in those recipes, it'll say like decarb. You have to do that. That's part of the process first. And then you have your cannabinoids, which are going to be your THC. And there's several different CBDs, which people don't realize. Um, these are the active forms of the acids that I just mentioned. And they're the main constituents used in healing. Then you have terpenes, which if you go, if you ever look up strains, um, like we talked about a little bit last week, different fun names, goofy names that they come out with, you'll, you'll see a lot, the terpenes mentioned. So it might say like, um, you know, eucalyptol or alpha pinene. So if you see something that says alpha pinene, it's going to be a piney scent. A, a piney taste, it has to do with taste and smell um, of the plant. And these are the, and then it says here, it's by, we recognize the terpenes by their smell. And then you have the flavonoids, which are water soluble pigments ranging in color from yellow to red to blue purple. And that's how you see some of the other plants are like purple and blue and real pretty colors. Um, and these are antioxidants and anti-inflammatories in the plants. So it's a huge, it's so complex, just this one plant having all these parts. Um, but the most common cannabinoids that you'll hear is the THC and the CBD, even though there's more than just those. Um, now, THC was first isolated in 1964. And... It prompted research, uh, prompted a search for the receptors that it binds to. So this is where we're sort of getting into our endocannabinoid system. So the first receptor named cannabinoid 1 or CB1 was discovered in 1988. And in 1992, we discovered that our bodies manufacture a molecule similar to THC, which in turn led to the discovery of the endocannabinoid system a system we continue to learn about. Now, we have recently discovered it. However, we found it's ancient. It's an ancient system. And it is a system that not only human beings have, but also animals and plants have, with the exception of insects, which I thought was extremely interesting. <laughs> so, and basically what it is, because unless you're like chemistry, but it's very complex. Again, you can look it up. But basically, we have CB1 receptors in our body. And the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant react to the receptors in our body. And the endocannabinoid system is similar to the nervous system where it's a physiological system. It's not... Um, like a cardiovascular system where it's based on anatomy, it's physiological, so it's cells, it's 
synapses, its nerves, it's, it's like the nervous system. And so what it does is the, it transmits messages from one nerve to the other. So when we have the, if you look at, if you look at the nerve, if you're looking at like a diagram, for example, and you know how the body works and pain receptors and neurotransmitters and things like that. So when you're going from one nerve to another, and let's just say your brain is sending message that you're in pain. Well, it goes from one nerve to another, and there's a synapse. There's a gap in between. Well, the endocannabinoid allows the message to be sent past through that gap instead of it stopping. So what the endocannabinoid system allows us to do is it sends messages throughout the body, not just centralized to one body system. Whereas like the cardiovascular might just be the cardiovascular. It might not respond to other parts of the body or other systems of our body. The endocannabinoid system does. So when we consume cannabis, the cannabinoids respond to our CB1 receptors which we have, it's similar to THC, and that's why we respond to it. And that's why we have the effects that we do. And again, everybody's experience is going to be different because some people may love it. Some people might be paranoid. You know, that's just the individual. But as far as the body and healing, it's it's there. I mean, it, it does what it does because that's our body is made for that. So I thought that was extremely interesting. And like I said, it's just being discovered, but it's been around for a long, long time. And I thought I found something about the animals because I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you can buy all sorts of now um, CBD products for your... Um, your four-legged friends, but they're also telling you to be very careful um, if you do that because it has to be specially made for the animal. Right. Well, and like I said, there's different types of CBD, which people don't realize. So it, it really is going to depend on, you know, and what you're using it for. And you want to make sure it's sourced, you know, because just like with anything, right. Just like with anything, you know, things can be tampered with. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. There was, um, I saw a little clip and they were talking about it for the dogs. Um, the dog had um, hip dysplasia. So they were giving it to him for the pain. Mm -hmm. And it was like, but you can only give it, you have to make sure it specifically says, on the product that it's specifically for animals because they right. have a different system than we do and what we're taking just like anything else guys check with your vet oh yeah what could be safe for a cat could be deadly for a bird you just gotta right. yeah you gotta and not only that, you have to know how much to give them and what a proper dose is and what to look for if there's going to be any sort of interreactions with the drug and the dog. So just like everything else, you know, I mean, your cat gets into your lilies, that's a problem, you know, oh, yeah. because they're deadly to the cat. Your dog gets into your chocolate. Chocolate's deadly for a dog. 
So yeah. you got to really look at what, what they tell you you can and cannot use. But evidently, they're finding now, the veterinary um, people are finding that it, it really does make a huge difference in the quality of the animal's life, where before, it is difficult, I'm sure, to find drugs for a dog or a cat, you know, to make them feel better because they can't tell you. Right. So you you kind of have to watch them. Are they walking better? Do they look like they feel better? But evidently, they've done enough studies with this that um, they are finding that it really does help your little four-legged friend. But again, always check with the vet. Yeah, especially if they're, you know, if they have any underlying medical conditions or you already have them on medications, you want to make sure, you know, just like with anything. Um, and so this is what I found. So cannabinoid receptors are found in all vertebrates, um, as well as many invertebrates and plants, but they are not found in insects. And then it says bugs cannot get high. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Boy, that's a bummer right there, isn't I it? I feel like, oh, A reason um, not to be a bug. I know. It says they are among the oldest type of receptors dating back to 600 million years. Um, they are among the oldest type of... Re oh, oh, they are part of a general class of receptors called G-coupled receptors. All G-coupled receptors span the cell membrane, and the part of the receptor spanning the membrane is made of the same molecules. So, um, and again, it binds with chemical messengers. So, the analogy that it gives is these parts are like catcher, catcher's mitts that will activate only when one specifically shaped chemical messenger they can catch. Once a chemical messenger binds to a receptor, a cascade of reactions occur when, within the cell to bring about an intended action. Um, and then it goes on to talk about cannabinoid 1 receptors and receptor binding. I mean, it's very complex. They go into great detail about, um, about chemistry. And then, I mean, it's a very good book. But I did want to go over some of our CB1 receptor sites. Um, because I thought this was interesting. So we have some of the sites in our body and I'll just, I'll show this and then I'll go over it. So if you can see that a little bit, um, and so this is the brain neurons, uh, thyroid, thyroid gland, lungs, liver, cardiovascular system, pancreas, adrenal gland, um, adipocytes, my anatomy teacher would be so ashamed. I'm sorry. Bladder, <laughs> immune cells, skin, bone, and bone marrow. Um, in addition to cannabinoid receptors on the surface of cells, receptors have also been discovered within the cell on the mitochondria, lysome, and the nucleus. Um, so, I mean, it's within our, it's, in our body. It's in the neurons. Um, well, it's and in the mitochondrial, it's in the DNA. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's in the lysosomes, the nucleus. So there's a whole chemistry behind C CB1 chemistry. If you research CB1 chemistry, um, I mean, and then there's another cannabinoid, which is called CB2, and that's primarily found in the immune system on natural killer cells, B cells, mast cells, microphages, T cells, tonsils, spleen, thymus, and liver. 
They're also found in the cardiovascular tissue, um, skin, reproductive tissue, bone, connective tissue, endocrine, and exocrine pancreas, tumors, brain, and in the gastrointestinal tract. In the nervous system, they are found in the mi microglial cells. And when the nerve tissue is inflamed or injured, CB2 receptor number increases in the neurons and astrocytes. So all of this is happening. And the way that it also, so the way that it was described, our endocannabinoid system is a good way to think of it is it's our, it's our safe place. It's, it's a, it's a gauge to, it's almost like a gauge of homeostasis. Like, are we in our safe place? While the nervous system and everything will shoot off, oh, I'm panicked, I'm stressed, I'm this and this. Your endocannabinoid system is kind of going on in the background of all of that and making sure that you're okay, you're calm, you're good. The analogy that the book gave was that like when you go to grandma's house, like when you go to grandma's house and you don't have a care in the world and you feel safe, that's your endocannabinoid system. It's kind of in the background running things for your body without you having to do anything. It's automatic, just like your nervous system, just like, you know, all of that. And then you have all of these receptors already in your body that are similar to THC. So when you're consuming, it's reacting to each other and it's healing itself. And that's why you have where it's shrinking tumors and it's killing cancer cells, but keeping the healthy cells intact and not destroying healthy cells like some of the, you know, chemo and the radiation and things are doing. Um, and, you know, it's helping with immune system. It's helping with depression. It's helping with all these things because it's almost like it's specifically made for our anatomy. I mean, if you think about it. Um, so it's really fascinating. And I only just, just learned about this last year, um, the endocannabinoid system. So I thought it was really interesting. And um, if you go to, if you go to, if you're at least outer court of the tradition, of the Karelian tradition, and you're a part of the Order of Hersini, I did also post a TED Talk in there that the doctor did about the endocannabinoid system. And she, it, it's, it's really good. Um, and that's actually when I first heard about it. And that's when I posted it last year. So it was really interesting and it makes sense. Well, it makes sense if we've already got the receptors there, we're not forcing anything. We're not cutting anything away. We're just going into what's already there and building on it and, right. and fixing what's wrong. Um, I, I've done a little research myself on it, um, to be honest. If you have, like, I know my age, everybody's got cancer, and so they're all going for these treatments, and they are absolutely miserable. And I know a lot of people who are using um, the THC to calm their stomach and actually make them feel less pain. Right. But I also know that those that have autoimmune disorders, mm -hmm. like I have, it's kind of hard sometimes because you're in so much pain. You don't want to be taking 
so many drugs. Like you have to take such a quantity of the medication for it to get into your system because you build up tolerance over the years. You actually build up addiction, um, right. but you're taking all that in. And when you're taking some of the opi opioids and let's be honest, the narcotics that you're taking in, your body's not prepared for them. Mm -hmm. So it's a fight. That's why some people get nauseous. Some people get sick and actually get headaches taking pain medication because yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mix well because there's nothing there to naturally do it. But when you're using um, the CBD oils and, and just even on your skin, your receptors are already there. So you're just basically feeding the receptors that are there. Right. And there are some ways that you can support your endocannabinoid system. Um, one of those is consuming omega-3 fatty acids. So your eggs, your salmon, your, you know, your fish, of course, you can also do supplements if that's not your thing. Um, decrease sugar and unhealthy fats. Maintain a healthy gut. Um, consume plant helpers of CB1 and CB2. Now, this is going to be um, some examples of this is um, kava, echinacea, legumes, club moss, liverwort, as well as some fungi. Um, and then for CB2, it would be copal, echinacea, and rue. So those are some plant helpers that have CB1 and CB2 because, again, we found out that plants also have an endocannabinoid system. Right. So those, yeah. So those are some, um, those are some there. And um, also avoid chemicals that alter, e um, they call it ECS for short, endocannabinoid system. And that is specifically talking about the insecticide um, perenthrum, P-Y-R-E-T-H-R-U-M, it's used in conventional agriculture, and it antagonizes the CB1 receptor. And it's also an endocrine disruptor and carcinogen, so you want to try to stay away from that. And it basically just says try to eat organic and stop using plastic because that's usually where it's found. Um, also, manage stress, move your body, enjoy a massage. <laughs> it says AEA levels, which is one of the uh, cannabinoids, Increased 168% in healthy individuals, um, asymptomatic for any disease state, when they received a general relaxation massage. <laughs> so massage will help your endocannabinoid system. There you go. I did not know that. That's I didn't either. It also says limit alcohol, limit caffeine. Sorry, caffeine. Um, and then it also says be aware of pharmaceutical levels. So it says um, antidepressants, antipsychotics, and anticonvulsants um, increase CB1 receptors, which results in an increase of endo endocannabinoid system tone and may be responsible for weight gain associated with these medications. Acute opioid um, use increases the endocannabinoid function by increasing the synthesis of CB1 receptors. However, chronic opiate use can downregulate the endocannabinoid system. So, and then actually I'm going to go into a little bit of the opioid thing now, because I know we we're going to touch on that a little bit. 
and I thought this was a little interesting. So, of course, of, of course, opioids is for pain. Um, a lot of us are in pain. Um, but I thought this was kind of interesting and a little funny. So it says types of pain cannabis works well for, and then it says dot, dot, dot so far. <laughs> and it's, I, I laugh because it's pretty lengthy, but this is what it says. Cannabis works well for spinal cord injury, peripheral neuropathy, nerve injury, brachial plexus damage, amputation, phantom pain, rheumatoid arthritis, complex regional pain syndrome, musculoskeletal pain, fibromyalgia, migraine, and cancer. Um, it does say it's not recommended for acute pain just because it's harder to manage. Um, but those are going to be, that's going to be the laundry list. Um, now it says here, as far as the, um, opiates, Opiates are one of the three major classes of pharmaceuticals used for pain management. They are not very effective for chronic pain, and they are dangerous with significant adverse effects. Now, most of us know this, but here's just some statistics, which I said I was going to share. So 1 in 33 users become addicted or dies. 50% of people who take opiates longer than 30 days have been found to still be using them at three years. 80% of heroin users begin with prescription opiates. 90 people die per day from opioid overdose in the United States. A report from Medicare states that on average, 23 million doses of, of opioids were used per day every year from 2010 to 2015. So 23 million doses per day, every year. Yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, opioid crisis. I mean, now it says states with legal medical cannabis saw an average reduction of 3.742 million daily doses of opiates due to dispensary sales and a reduction of 1.792 million daily doses due to home cultivation of cannabis. So from 23 million to 3.742 million, just from making it medically legal. Yeah. And then all the way down to 1.792 million from 23 million when you're able to grow your own medicine, your own cannabis. So I thought that was really interesting statistics. Um, it's interesting. Um, my home state has an extreme opioid issue in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, it's been very well documented there. Actual entire towns have fallen apart because of the opiate. Everybody there was addicted. Oh, I believe it. So, I mean, I, I, I totally, I understand that some people need it. I, but I also, you know, like I said, I have personal experience with this in my family and, you know, was affected by, you know, by it. My, my oldest daughter, her mom passed from that when she was six. I've had her since she was eight. She's now 20, you know, 22, 22. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, and, and, I had to go through her with all that therapy and, you know, all that stuff. And it's just, it's really sad. And 
the, I just think that there's better ways. I think that there's better ways than. than I really do. I think what it was is it was an, a quick fix. Um, mm -hmm. I know in West Virginia, um, there's a lot of coal mining, obviously that's what we do back there. Um, and a lot of the guys get injured in the coal mines. That's a given. Um, and they were very quick to dispense an opioid. Well, one, it did work. Don't get me wrong. They work. They do their job. They stop the pain. But a narcotic fakes your brain into thinking you don't have the pain. Right. It doesn't do anything else. It doesn't do anti-inflammatory. It does, it does nothing. It just, it's like a little thing up here in your brain going, hi, it doesn't hurt no more. Right. It does. Right. Exactly. And that's the problem is you, with a lot of the heavy narcotics as you take them, you don't feel pain, but then you go out and do something and re-injure whatever right. it is. And I've seen it mostly like, think about your knees. I, I have the world's worst knees, but you know, they hurt, they hurt. Okay. Well, they give me some good stuff. I can go around here like a crazy person, but how much more damage am I creating? Then right. when you stop taking it, you realize not only did you damage it more by taking mm -hmm. them because you, you didn't stop you're not changing right you're not changing the physiology you're just right. you can't feel it right and your body pain is your way your body's way of saying hey don't do that right <laughs> okay so the whole time your knees are screaming because they need anti-inflammatories they need you know whatever they need and you're you know swallowing these narcotics then you're just getting to the point where you're you're just double damaging what you're doing and right. And, and like I said, it's, you know, they prescribe them when you have your wisdom teeth taken out. I mean, it's prescribed for a lot of different things. It's, for short periods, but they don't realize everybody has a different addiction level. Exactly. So exactly. I might be able to take it for a month and put them away and never touch them again. Somebody else might only be able to take them for three days and that's it. They're right. gone. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, they're just, there has to be another way if it's as addicting as it is. And just like with anything over time, our body's going to build up a tolerance and then you're going to need more. Or you're going to need to, you know, take more. I think at one point my husband had to increase his, you know, diabetes medication or his cholesterol, whatever he was on. I don't even remember what it was, but you know, after so long you go to the doctor and what do they do? They up your dose. They up your dose. It's not working. They just up your dose, up your dose. And then you have all the side effects on top of that. Whereas with cannabis, I can have all that pain gone, but I'm also happy. I'm also alert. I can also function. I can still, I'm not falling asleep. I'm not in another world, you know what I mean? It's, I can function. I, I'm able to. You're not fighting that, that fog or that cloud that you get. Um, even if you take an antihistamine, let's be honest, everybody's taking an allergy pill and sat there at work with one eye open going, I'm not going to make it. I I've mean, done it before. I was like, oops, I took the day to uh, the nighttime instead of daytime. Crap. <laughs> I, and I'm just, I, I live in Florida. Okay, I had allergies before I came down here. Now the pollen never stops. No, Your entire car is a different shade yeah. of green, no matter what color it is. Yeah. But 
I do know that, you know, you take an, an antihistamine and, and then you're fighting to function. You're, you've got the fog, the cloud where, you know, it's just, it's miserable. And that is very similar to some of the side effects when you take these narcotics, these painkillers. Right. Your choice. Do I go to work and suffer all day and be miserable all day? Or do I go to work and time when I can take my medication, but then I'm fighting it all day long? Now, right. that's if, if you have a job where you have to be very on, the, on top of things. You have a job where you have to be. You know, yes. you're talking to people all day. You're, you know, you do your, you got to crunch numbers mm -hmm. to an extent. So it's, okay, how am I going to work my day to day? Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like, you can't, there's, there has to be, and like I said, first, I, I'm an advocate. I mean, there has to just be a better way for people to be able to treat their bodies for, you know, pain and whatever else, and still be able to function and still be able to have quality of life and not have it affect them and not have to worry about dying because they needed to to live pain-free, you know, and that's the thing is like people are wanting to fix a problem and they're dying because of it, because they're getting addicted. And like the yeah. statistics showed 80% of heroin users started on prescriptions. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad. It's really, it's a really bad problem that we have in this country. And it seems just so nuts to me that no deaths from cannabis ever in the history and we're fighting like we are for for that's what amazes me we have it it's it's something that we can grow it's not extraordinarily expensive it's not like it's such a chemical that you know we can't produce right um but it's also it's also a when you're taking it you're not forcing something into your body your body's already got the receptor so it's already waiting for it um, right. when you take a lot of the narcotics, that's the fight with your brain. That's why you have such reactions. Sometimes some people just can't do it at all, but almost everybody has some kind of reaction, tired, groggy, mm -hmm. um, dizzy, not like on your game. You know, those are just the very mild things. That's the things that, you know, most people have, but then it goes from that to death. Yeah. So anywhere in between. Right. And, and then it just, you know, and then the other aspect, if you don't die from it, but you're addicted, you, you might find yourself getting into trouble trying to, you know, go through different ways of getting, you know, eventually your doctor is going to find out, Oh, you're going through those too fast. Well, if you're addicted, you're going to find other ways to get it, you know, and then you're spiraling into a whole other thing. And yeah, it's just a mess. Um, and, uh, but, from there, it goes straight downhill. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but it's it's just really interesting. Like I said, it's, you know, there's a lot of different things. Now, one of the things that I wanted to touch on, the last thing that I had before we move on to the second part of the show, um, of course, so we talked about some of the things, the um, about how it helps with depression, um, about how it can help with, anxiety and things like, you know, the more common things. And we talked about um, a little bit on PTSD. I wanted to touch on that a little bit more 
because um, I was a little inspired earlier because I was we were talking to um, Amanda and she got kind of excited when she realized that the army does um, hail and farewell events. And uh, she did not realize um, because they have a whole, you know, Wiccan sector. And so in honor of those vets who sadly have a lot of PTSD issues. Um, and I'm an, I'm a Navy brat and I come from a long line of vets in my, uh, on pretty much every male and on my dad's side of the family, at least is some sort of veteran from some branch. But, um, you know, PTSD is a, is a huge issue. Um, not only for veterans, but for many reasons, of course, and men and women for several different reasons. And so it's a disorder for those of you that don't know, PTSD is a disorder for some people that develop, um, that is developed after an intense experience of terror or helplessness. Symptoms of PTSD can include insomnia or nightmares, anxiety, an inability to tolerate frustration, anger issues, flashbacks, or hyperarousal. Hyper now, cannabis helps with PTSD in, um, in a few ways. So the primary goals in the treatment of PTSD are the extinction of fear memory and the uncoupling of the fear memory from triggers. So another goal, of course, is a sense of safety and well-being. And of course, cannabis is going to help with most of those. And the endocannabinoid system, again, is the state of well-being, that safety zone. So um, the so research on the effectiveness of cannabis with PTSD, um, and then it even says CBD alone, not even necessarily THC, but just CBD alone, um, decrease the defensive behaviors in mouse models of PTSD. So these are mouse uh, testing that was done. Um, increase the neurogenesis in the hippocampus. So that's the part of your brain that uh, stimulates that reaction. And it de decreased the learned fear expression. It increased the fear extinction to try to make that fear extinct in your brain. Um, it decreased the stress-related anxiety and anxiety after stressful events. Now the THC helps with sleep and the reduction of nightmares, increasing the neurogenesis and improving mood at low doses via binding to the CB1 receptors in your body, and also decreasing nightmares. So it says for decreasing nightmares, you can take 0.5 to 3 milligrams of THC before bed. And that ha that was shown to um, showed a 72% decrease in nightmares in PTSD sufferers. So I thought 72%. that was 72%. Wow. Yep. Wow. Um, so I thought that was really I just wanted to share that because I thought that was pretty fascinating uh, statistics there. That is phenomenal statistics to get something that goes across the board at that percentage rate that decreases something like that. Nightmares are a very, very, very big part of PTSD. And what happens is, I studied it, of course, um, when you go to sleep, first of all, sleep is your safe haven or supposed to be. So now you won't go to sleep because you're afraid to go to sleep because you're afraid of the nightmare 
then you've increased your anxiety 100%. You are now sleep deprived. You are working overtime because your whole body at that point starts working overtime. Now you're starting to break down your body. Exactly. So it is a very, very nasty, vicious cycle. And it's an extreme cycle. It's one of those ones where it doesn't seem like there's any relief because then what you try to do is you try to medicate to sleep, mm -hmm. which opens up a whole new realm of issues because no matter what they take, what you take to go to sleep with, there are some sort of reaction and there's always some sort of counter reaction. So if they give you medication to sleep after a while, again, you build up tolerance, right? Then you, um, sometimes taking the medication will give you nightmares. So yeah. that just really helps a whole lot, you know, right. nightmares, but I'm taking this drug to go to sleep, but I have to take another one because this is giving me nightmares. It's, it's right. a nightmare itself, but, um, I'm fascinated by how well 72% is an outrageously high number. I know. I know. I was, I wanted to share that because I, I was pretty impressed by that number as well. So, but again, I can't recommend, recommend that book enough. And for those of you that missed it, it was the holistic healing guide to cannabis by Tammy sweet. Um, and there it is again, and you can find it at any of your bookstores online included, but, um, but yeah, it just has so much. I mean, I didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, it's just, it's so detailed. It's a, it's, it's a really good book. And, um, it goes into more depth of, you know, different ailments and, and the chemistry of our bodies as far as the endocannabinoid. I mean, that was a huge, huge part of the book. I, it would be impossible to delve into that, but, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. And then next week we are going to be talking about the magical side of cannabis and how you can incorporate that so i'm excited about that yes we got to dust off our books that we got i have to actually look at mine i know i know i'm excited mine's on the shelf i will pull it out next week yeah i know keep thinking about doing a book club for that one so you know i'm i'm thinking we need to do something with that book because that book is fascinating. I started reading parts of it. Now I'm an avid reader. So sometimes when I read though, if it's a book with information like that, it's not a story. I'll go right. to different categories so, and, and right. like skip ahead. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I'm interested in. And, um, he's got me, uh, he knows he has me because I've been reading it, you know, like read that section. Well, let me go back and look at that one. And I might as well just sit so down and book. So just a sneak peek for next week. The book that we're talking about is High Magic by Philip H. Farber and also friend of Sir Ed. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be doing more of that next week. So I'm excited. I am too. This has been an interesting journey for me. Um, as growing up in the sixties, you know, we heard all the horror stories, you know, reefer madness and, you know, all that good stuff. And then we got to watch Cheech and Chong, which made it all better. Um, yeah, really. But we were sold such a bill of goods. It's a gateway drug. It, it's what starts you on your, you know. And if you talk to anybody, honestly, who is 
a recovering addict and I worked you know, a house of recovery for four years um, with recovering addicts. Most of them will tell you, yeah, they did weed, but you know, it was either alcohol or prescription drugs that got right, them right. where they're at. Right. Most of them. Now they've all done the weed. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what spurned them on to what they did. The weed was no longer doing it for them, but the pills did. Yeah. Well, because you're looking for that, you know, you'll build up a tolerance and you're looking for that something stronger or whatever. And, yeah. and of course, also back then, I mean, it was very different than what you would get nowadays with all oh, the different yeah. strains and all the medical. I mean, it's very different, a lot more potent. It's, you know, well, it's what a I can say regulated. Um, right. If you go to the dispensaries, it's none of this back in the day, you got it from this guy or that guy. Those were your choices, this or that, exactly. that was it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it, you never knew what you're getting. It's kind of like when you buy the CBD somewhere, unless it's like from a dispensary, you really don't know what, right. because it's, it, there's no regulation on it. Right. Right. But if you get it from a dispensary, they're regulated. Trust me. It's like getting a prescription filled at a pharmacy. Oh yeah. Very regulated. But, um, and that's why I was concerned with, you know, a lot of people doing the, um, all the CBD stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and just getting it from like the local gas station. You can do that here in Florida. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, what are you getting? And um, that was my biggest concern when I started looking into the different, trying to get off of some of the narcotics that they had me on for pain and all, but it was, it's really like, that's not, I don't want to frighten people from it, but I want you to understand that it's really not regulated. That's not, if you go to a dispensary, it's a hundred percent regulated there. There's no mistaking what you're getting. It's, it's printed on the box. It's explained, you know, and all the dispensary personnel can explain it all to you. So you're exactly. not going in there totally stupid, like, you know, you, but I do recommend you do your research before you go. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. And actually really quickly before we move on, because I do want us to move on, but there was actually something, it was a good Q and A. Okay. So questions to consider when buying CBD products. Again, it's an amazing book. I mean, it just has everything in here. So, um, it just says when you as a consumer walk into a store to buy a high CBD cannabis product, you are entering a wild and mostly unregulated arena. So just as you said, mm -hmm. um, when you buy from anyone, ask these questions to make sure you are getting the best quality. So you and these are just some examples of questions that you can ask. Um, so are you using organic flowers to make medicine? Of course, you always want the answer to be yes, organic. Um, how are you extracting can be a question that you ask. And if the answer is with butane, you don't want to purchase those. Ethanol or supercritical carbon dioxide are the industry standards. Home medicine makers usually use ethanol or butane, but it's advised against using butane. Uh, you'll hear ethanol in the dispensaries and then they have some of them now, I think CO2 
um, where it's not, they don't use ethanol. It's more of a concentrated, it's a different way of extracting from the plant. Um, but yeah, if you hear butane run and then, um, it says, do you test your, do you test your end product or flowers for heavy metals, pesticides, or mold? And you of course want medicine free from heavy metals, pesticides, and mold. When you extract, what are you taking out and what are you leaving behind? And so this says, sometimes the flowers come in a little hot, containing more than the legal 0.3% THC. Some companies remove enough THC to bring the level below the legal limit, but you want to have 0.3% because you need some THC. You actually want equal parts THC and CBD for the best medicine, but that's not legal everywhere. If they take anything else out, you don't want the product. So that's kind of going back to a point. If you're in the dispensaries or even recreational, you're going to see things that say like one to one or one to two. So the best medicine is one to one. The best overall experience for your body, what's going to respond best to your endocannabinoid system is a one-to-one -one ratio of THC and CBD because they work, they work together um, with your body. So if you do a high THC, low CBD, that's fine if you're doing it for what you need at the time or vice versa. But if you, and some people don't like the high, a lot of people do are doing the CBD, especially because it's, and you still get the, you know, effects, which is fine. But if you want or are able to do the one-to-one, -one, that is what's going to give you, it's, it's like the trifecta, that's going to give you the ultimate healing effects of the plant is because they sort of feed off of each other. Um, so that's something that I wanted to point out as well. And that's why it says you want equal parts for the best medicine, because that's, that's pretty much the, the go-to. Um, and then this was kind of funny. Does it smell like cannabis? You should be able to smell the terpenes. So going back to the pinene and those different things, if it doesn't smell like cannabis, it's made with isolate and you don't, you do not want it. Um, Another question you can ask, after you've extracted, are you putting anything else back in? If they have, you don't want it. Companies often use additives to compensate for poor quality starting flour, most commonly CBD isolate. That way they can use poor quality flour and call it full spectrum or whole plant medicine while adding in some isolate to make it more potent and charge you more money. Um, and then, of course, you can ask if they have isolate in their product. And if the answer is yes, you don't want it. So just some examples of questions you can ask. Um, and I thought that was really interesting since you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it is because you have to educate yourself. It's like any time a doctor prescribes you something, most people, I, they're like sheep. They take it and they go. Right. Um, if I'm putting something in me, I want to know what it is. Number one, I have weird experiences with medication. So I want to make sure I'm able to function um, mm -hmm. only because I have to, you know, I still get up and go to work every day. So it's like, I got to make sure I can function taking this. Oh, yeah. that's been my biggest complaint that I've had with a lot of medications. Yeah. They're great if you're at home, mm -hmm. if you're at work or have to drive or operate machinery at work. I mean, I, I, 
I'm lucky. I get to work and the hardest thing I have to use is a mouse. But it's still the idea, you know, you've got to know what you're taking. Research it a little bit. Get to know what it is you're putting in your body. I know about the narcotics because I take them. I took them for a long period of time. I knew I was at a point in my body where I had to stop taking them or I risked the chance of being addicted or having the tolerance so high. My doctor's not going to want to write that prescription. And they're right. really cracking down on the doctors now with pain medication. They want to send you to pain management, which yes. is a specialty, which means your copay is twice as high. I mean, you know, all that stuff. So you want to learn a little bit about what you're taking, why you're taking it, how you're taking it. And then you want to talk and educate yourself on anything that they tell you to take. A lot of times doctors, they have so much going on that they forget to tell you things like, oh, yeah, we're putting you on a diuretic. They'll forget to tell you to take potassium. Mm. Then you deplete your supply of potassium and you've had a heart attack. It's little things like that that. You know, people cannot blindly, the doctor say, here, take this. You want to say, what am I taking? Why am I taking? And is there something else I can do? Yeah. Like we said before, don't be afraid to ask questions for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your body. Yes, they're doctors, but you know what's best for you. You have to pay attention to your body. I mean, not related to cannabis, but I went through years and years of horrible, debilitating, like fetal position pain where it felt like it was in my ovaries. I mean, doubled over pain. And I had an IUD at the time. It was after I had Haley. And my um, my doctor was like, no, it's not your, it's not your IUD. It's fine. It's, it's not, it's in place. It's not, you know, it's, everything's good. You're good. Everything's fine. And I just knew, knew, knew it, it had to do with that. But I suffered for five years, ER visit, ER visit after ER visit, missed work, almost got fired. I mean, and then I tried to have it taken out and I was screaming. I was supposed to be able to be taken out on an office visit and with no problem. And I was in so much pain that they had to put me, I had to make a visit at the hospital and they had to put me to sleep just to remove it. And she was like, Oh, it came right out. I don't know why it was such a problem at the doctor's office. I was like, I don't know. But ever since then, no pain. So I knew better. I knew the whole time that it was the IUD and I let the doctor, you know what I mean? So it's just like, pay attention to your body, pay attention. I mean, you know, you know what's best for you. I mean, of course, take the doctor's advice. You you didn't go to medical school, school they did. But at the same time, um, listen to your body. Really, and question them on stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I had a very shocking discovery when I found out how allergic to thimerosal I was when I went into anaphylactic shot after I got a flu shot. Oh, Thimerosal is a preservative used in saline solution for contact lenses. And oh. I wore lenses, but I always made, because I started wearing my lenses 40-some years ago, I had to make my own salt saline solution because I always had trouble with the chemicals. My eyes would swell. They would be irritated. So my uh, 
optician said, well, just make your own. Here's the salt pills. Go buy distilled water. Here's a little bottle to put it in. I made my solution every morning. It never occurred to me that that was in a flu shot. Wow. I got a flu shot. I went to stand up. And the next thing I remember, I woke up in a hospital. Wow. Um, it had, we're suspecting it had thimerosal in it, which I don't know, such a small portion of the population allergic to it that they don't even, they don't even have it on there, what it was. They didn't have the preservative on the actual flu shot. Oh, wow. So my That's, doctor, I would have never known. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, you should always just ask, but so I just wanted to touch on that, but I do want us to also move on to the second part of the show. But before we start, <laughs> so we are going to um, have a commercial break and we are introducing something fun that we came up with. So we're going to start having a keyword of the week. And so what you're going to have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel. You have to be a subscriber at Tea Time with Mother and Crone on YouTube. And every week you will listen for the keyword. And we're going to say it one time. And you can email us at teatimemc at gmail.com with your answer. And the cutoff time will be 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So the night that we do the live show on Facebook. And then what we will do is we will get all the names of the correct answers and we'll put them on a spinny wheel and randomly draw a winner for some tea time merch. So it might be a mug, it might be a t-shirt, um, but, and maybe eventually we might raffle off readings down the line. You never know. So, um, yeah, never know. So um, we're going to be doing that. And our first drawing is going to be Weekend of Lustration, which is going to be, we're going to do a short little show, Lustration Weekend, which is going to be on the 2nd of May, um, that Sunday. We weren't going to do a show, but we actually decided to do a short little show um, for you guys. So that's going to be exciting. So. So make sure that you do subscribe. Now we're going to say the word this week and next week so you'll hear it for two weeks and then we'll draw it we'll say it again on the may show and then nine o'clock we'll draw the name we will announce the following week the first name and the state they're from so that they get and if you are so fortunate as to get a piece of merchandise we're going to ask you to take a picture of you holding your merchandise and sending it to us and we'll put it on our Facebook for a lot of fun. But again, you have to register and have to subscribe. Right. That's the only requirement is that you just have to subscribe to the channel. So I think that's pretty easy. Um, so what's the word? So the keyword is Hersini, which is a Sanskrit word for cannabis, which is also the order that I have for the Karelian tradition. So shameless plug, um, the order of Hersini. So yes, Hersini is the key word. So again, you can email um, teatimemc at gmail.com and that's T-H-Y-M-E, like the herb, not a clock. Um, and like on our shirts and our cups, this is time. Yes, yes. And so we just thought this would be something fun 
but uh, we're really excited to do. And if you haven't registered yet, please go to CorellianLustration.com and register for Lustration. It is It begins April 30th um, through the 2nd. Is it the 30th or the 31st? 30th. 30th. And um, through the 2nd. And so, yeah. And then you can register there. There's tons of workshops. And then we also have our beautiful ritual on Sunday. Um, so that's always really fun and exciting. And then right after the ritual, you can pop on and stay on with us and see our short show and see what's going on. Our show's going to be a little different that time, but we're just going to leave it at that. So we're going to yep. make you watch it to see what's going on. How's that one? Sounds good. To it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we do want that. We will be having snippets of places that we go and things that we do on our shows just to let you know that we do actually get out. We, we don't sit in a room all day long. Um, we do travel around. So as we go places, we're going to hit snippets and, you know, show them on the show. If you have something going on in your neck of the woods, please give us a holler and let us know. Um, we would love, love, love to promote your gathering, your festival, whatever you got going on, um, on our website, as well as on our Facebook page so that people can see what's going on. This does not necessarily mean a Corellian group. If you're with another group and you have something going on, um, we're more than willing to put it up. Just send it to us so we can see what it is. Um, okay. it, it's just getting out there. I, I know things are a little tough. There are some things opening up here, there, and everywhere. So we want to help with that as much as we can. But what we've got coming up May 1st, being in the middle of lustration, because that's when all your classes are going to be is May 1st, it's also May Day. And May Day, believe it or not, has actually been around for like the last millennia. They've been celebrating it. So it's a big deal a lot of places. Um, there's all different reasons people celebrated. Um, different cultures did different things with it. Mostly um, up in our area, I'm going to say the northern hemisphere, it's kind of like the beginning of spring. So right. it's kind of a springtime celebration. I know we all know when Ostara is. It's in March, but a lot of times you're still shoveling your sidewalk in March. So May is kind of like the day, yes, we have sunshine that's actually showing. And also, it's Memorial Weekend is in May. So it's kind of the cursor, you know, Memorial Weekend is usually considered the first part of summer. That's the first weekend of summer. It's when the beach is open, the pool's open. So the first day of May um, has been celebrated for a millennia for all various reasons. One of the interesting ones I like, and this is the fun part of my job where I work in my mundane job. I deal with... Um, mostly European countries, um, and I, we purchase things and we ship them to Africa. So I talk to all over the world. And they have an International Workers' Day, which is May 1st, and they're all off. Uh, so, uh, when I first started in the company, I started in April. So I had no idea that May 1st was uh, that kind of holiday. Right. And uh, it rolled around and it's like everybody had, you know, on their emails, you know, our office is closed May 1st due to, you know, International Workers Day. And I'm like, what, what 
what is this? What do we get here? We get Labor Day, which is for the workers, yes. Um, and we get Secretary's Day, or excuse me, Administrative Assistance Day. That's like the last week or so of April. Right. But it was just like International Workers' Day. We need that day off. Uh, mm -hmm. And my boss is like, yeah, well, when you work in Europe, you'll get that day off. Yes. He's very understanding like that. Um, so this was um, supposedly they're going to start celebrating that. And this is why I brought it up. May of this year will be celebrated in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And, and that's a Saturday. So, I mean, I don't. Wait a minute. I'm sub I'm scheduled to work that day. Uh, that's so what I'm saying. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm gonna I'm telling my manager tomorrow. Like, listen, I was scheduled to work on Ostara and now Beltane. I something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give. It was just really weird when I saw that. So they're talking about possibly getting it rolling here. It hasn't really caught fire here yet. But trust me, in Europe. Oh, no, honey, it, it's in stone. So your office is shut down. So I just thought that was really interesting because I see it all the time now, you know. That is. Lithuania has approximately 30 days a year that they get off paid. We have. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. So we're going to leave that right there. Okay. Yeah. Um. But the big thing about May 1st that we all celebrate is Beltane. And everybody, of course, it's a fertility ritual. So everybody goes to that spot right there. You know, mm -hmm. okay, we understand it's a fertility ritual. Nobody understands that better than some of us old girls. We remember it. But one of the things that you forget about, it's a fire festival. Mm -hmm. And this is the time of year. Trust me, at my fire pit. When I moved, that was one of the first things I bought was a fire pit. My roommate thought I was nuts. We have sat out there and turned that, got that thing roaring and just sit there. And that is like the coolest thing. I love a fire pit. Oh, yeah. So, the energy. But it's the energy. It's the smell. It's the sound yeah. of the wood cracking and popping. It's the sight of the flame. I mean, there's just so much involved. And, of course... When you get a group of us together and you put us around a fire, what's the next thing that happens? It's either a guitar or a drum comes out of nowhere. They magically appear. And then we got a good group night. So then about three o'clock in the morning, we're finally dousing the fire. Right. Um, and it, yeah, it's true. It happens every time. So it's really, for us, Beltane is not just, you know, the fertility thing, but Fire is a purifier, and they used to run the cattle between two huge, you know, bonfires to purge them, and it was a symbolic purging and a symbolic cleansing and purification because fire is a purifier. So it is a purification time. So it's not so much just, you know, of course, everybody goes to, you know, the sex part of it. That is a part of it. But it's, it's a fire festival. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to see the fire dancers for real when they're throwing those fires. Oh, my gosh, to see them in, in up live. It's scary as all get out because you swear they're going to catch on fire. But they're wonderful. But it's a fire 
fertility. It's a fire um, holiday, and that's kind of what we're forgetting in it. Now, um, what happens is the Romans, I love the Romans. Okay, I'm Italian, so I do anyway, but they don't do one-day holidays. No, we do week-long festivals. Look at Saturnalia. I mean, mm -hmm. that is not one day. That's a whole week of drunk and debauchery and all kinds of good stuff. So when the Romans took over the British Isles, they brought with them a five-day holiday. I told you, we don't do little ones. We do five-day celebrations. And it was called for floral, F-L-O-R-A-L-I-A, Floralia. And it was devoted to the worship of flowers of the goddess of flowers. So that's kind of cool. And it was anywhere from April 20th to May 2nd. And the rituals were, you know, kind of devoted to springtime and flower and fertility. And eventually that turned into Beltane up in the British Isles. Because Beltane is actually a Celtic celebration. It's more up in the upper areas, you know, around the UK in that area. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, people... Like I said, it, it's really, I don't know, it's a little irritating when people just think, oh, it's a sex thing, you know. No, it's not. There's so many. It's kind of like an onion, okay, or go to right. Shrek. Everybody understood that one. Our holidays are layered in different beliefs and different foundations and different reasoning. Most of our holidays and our beliefs are grounded in the cycle of the earth. So it's very agriculturally based. So if you look at the time of the year this is going on, the winter has finally gotten gone, or most right. of it. The grass is coming back. You're getting outside for the first time since the winter because unless, you know, you live in the winter a lot, when it gets really cold, you tend to, you know, come in, close the doors, and just stay inside. So now we're getting back out, and people are actually getting out and getting around. You got bonfires that brings people together. I mean, any village starts a bonfire, everybody comes. Exactly. Just to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, if you're looking at it, that's kind of how things get started. So it went from being, you know, a purification kind of celebration into wrapping into the fertility because this is the time of the year when all the little animals are being born let's be honest you know you see the little rabbits out you know the foxes and all of them's got their little babies and it's so cute <laughs> so while you are doing that there are other things that you can do we looked at some of the maypole um cakes and cupcakes and little things to do last time if you mm -hmm. have the ability to do a maypole it is really cool um, the first maypole, they believe, actually started as a fertility, part of a fertility rite, where the pole symbolized, of course, the male side, and the baskets and the weaving is obviously the female side. And it never really took root in America. America does not do maypoles, and it's just, it blows my mind. Um, in Europe, it, it's a big thing. Maypoles are a big thing. I mean, here, they're just not... So um, now they're just starting to get back to where people are starting to get back more to the agricultural things, and they're starting to go back a little bit more. Instead of going forward with all this technology, sometimes people now need to get off the grid and take a break and 
chillax right. a little bit. So you've got people that are now going back to like the maypoles and, and really looking at some of our holidays because they're really cool. But you got to remember in our country, you know, we just didn't catch on to a lot of things, which is something. Um, and I found out now everybody has watched some sort of military movie and they've heard Mayday, Mayday. I did not know where this came from. So as it turns out, the code was invented in 1923 by an airport radio officer in London. Uh, challenged to come up with a word that would be easily understood by pilots and ground staff in case of emergency. Now, you got to remember, at that time, they were talking over really bad microphones. So clear you know, clarity was not there. Um, 1923, really right. bad. So, um, Frederick Mockford coined the word Mayday because it sounded like Meader, a shortened version of the French term for come help me. Oh, I no. did not know that. And that kind of makes sense. So yeah. that was where Mayday came from. So it's interesting to know where we get our words from. Um, yeah. Now, the connection between May Day and labor rights began in the United States during the 19th century. We all know about the Industrial Revolution and unions and all that good stuff. But um, in an attempt to end inhumane conditions, the Federation of Organized Trade and Labor Unions, which would later become the um, AFL-CIO, um, decided to do, you know, they did the first shall constitute a legal Days labor um, from and after May 1st, 1886. Oh, wow. Uh, so the following year, the Knights of Labor, uh, that was then America's largest labor organization, backed the proclamation as everybody just started to induce strikes and all sorts of stuff. Because you got to remember back then there was no rules for labor. So on May 1st, 1886, more than 300,000 workers um, 40,000 from Chicago alone, um, from 13,000 businesses walked out of their jobs across the country. And the following day, more workers joined and the number of strikers grew to almost 100,000. So the protests were um, peaceful, but that all changed on May 3rd, where Chicago police and workers clashed at the McCormick Reaper Works. The next day, a rally was planned and to protect killing and wounding of the several workers by police. So it got out of hand. It started out peaceful. Um, so it went on. And finally, it was called the Haymarker Riot because um, Haymarker was the name of where it happened. Uh, in, a, in August of 1886, six men labeled as anarchists were convicted in a sensational and controversial trial um, for the bombing that happened. So after that, um, a few years after the Haymarket riot and subsequent trials shocked the world, a newly formed coalition of socialist and labor parties in Europe called for a demonstration to honor that Haymarker martyrs. And in 1890, over 300,000 people protested at a May Day rally in London. Mm. So the workers' history of May 1st was eventually embraced 
by many governments worldwide as a celebration. So today, um, it is an official holiday in 66 countries and unofficially celebrated in more, but ironically is rarely recognized in the country where it began, the United States of America. Oh, wow. So That's... we started it and the world took it and we don't even celebrate it. So I, I was like, oh, bum me out. I was like, man. Yeah. Oh. So That's... after 1894, Pullman strike that was with uh, Pullman is a guy on a train. President Grover Cleveland officially moved the U.S. celebration of Labor Day to the first Monday in September, mm -hmm. uh, intentionally severing ties with the International Workers' Celebration for fear that it would build support for communism and other radical causes. Wow. I, it blows your mind when you think about all that happened. Um, and Dwight Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower, excuse me, tried to reinvent May Day in 1958. And um, they declared May 1st to be Law Day, celebrating um, the place of law in the creation of the United States. So not a whole lot there. But that was kind of interesting information. Yeah. So. May, May 1st is like a gazillion things all at once. Now, if you're Catholic, May is Mary's month, and this is a month-long celebration of the Virgin Mary. So it's very big. Um, rosaries are done at this time. Um, they have crowning of the May Queen. They have the crowning of the Blessed Virgin in a lot of the churches, full ceremonies, you know, process in and all kinds of really cool stuff. So May has a lot going on, guys. It's not just one little holiday. Um, if you can't find something to celebrate in May, I feel really sorry for y'all. But it is fun to go back and look at why we celebrate what we do. So now you got a little bit more on May and you understand what's going on. Beltane is a wonderful, wonderful holiday. It can be celebrated without all of the sexual attraction. Um, we are doing on an unplugging shamelessly um, virtual circle. We'll be having it. It will be having a May Day celebration. We will be doing Beltane, and it's out of the ritual and theory and practice book. If anybody wants to join us, but it it's a very nice ceremony. But again, it that. It is a ceremony. It is a ritual. Um, right. Of course, if we do it, you know, kids can come to it. So it's nothing that's obtrusive in any way, shape, or form. But there are some things to do. So I know everybody likes the idea of it. And if anybody watched Sabrina on Netflix, what I call the dark <laughs> Sabrina, um, mm -hmm. you got to see a little bit. One of the episodes had, you know, the May Day and Lupercalia. Like, oh my gosh. And somebody actually researched it. That was even more exciting. Someone actually looked into it. I was like, man, where how did that happen? Because it wasn't quite so Hollywood. Right. Yeah, because they actually did put the blood on each other. Oh. I know. <laughs> it was good. But yeah, and um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, like you said, the fires, you can do different fires. Um you can do the maypoles. There's all, you can even just, um, if you're not, you know, if your kids are not the maturity level, you to have that conversation with them yet, you can also just talk about the life cycle of 
animals and talk about fertility in that way. You know, the life cycle of a butterfly or even the plant, you know. Plants, and this is a good time to start teaching your little one about now. There has been a lot of talk because of COVID um, and supply chain being totally screwed up. Nobody gets that more than me. Um, but there's a lot of talk about people having little gardens now, doing the little, you know, stuff out in the backyard, the tomatoes. And this is a great time to start, um, for Beltane, a great time to start fairy gardens too. Yes. And I mean, that's starting and letting a child take care of something, giving them the responsibility. Now, let's be honest, a plant. Okay. I started my kids out with tomato plants, mainly because mm -hmm. I like tomatoes and I cook right. So we always had plum tomatoes and then the beef steak. Mm -hmm. um, and then we actually did cherry tomatoes. So the kids took care of their own tomato plants. And at first it was, you know, it was really exciting and all. And then they got to be a little, uh, but once they produced the fruit mm -hmm. and we used it, it became a whole different thing. Then it was like, oh, mom, do you need a tomato? I'll go out and pull one off my plant. You know, <laughs> it became a whole different thing. But um, at first, you know, they're very excited and then it gets very tedious. And I only repeat this because giving your child a responsibility to take care of something builds character. It's easier to bury a dead plant than it is a dead animal. Mm-hmm. So it was always easier for us to do the plants as they were younger because the right. first time it starts to get the blossom, they get very excited and then it goes into the tomato and then it's like, now we're going to eat it. And it's, oh, it's my tomato. Does everybody like my tomato? Like it tastes right. different than every other tomato in the house. Exactly. You know that. Your children can tell you which tomatoes are theirs. Exactly. But it is a fun thing to do, and it is something to get the kids out, and it is something that um, you can do in an apartment, in a house. You can do it in the middle of the city. It only requires a window. Yep, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I have a, I have a big porch. I'm going to be doing some container gardening here soon. And, you know, it's a lot of fun, and it gives the kids a little sense of responsibility. So there's your pagan parenting. Um, go through the life cycle of the plant. Talk about how the plant is fertilized. Talk about bees. My goodness. Nope. Now is when you can start capitalizing on the different things that are important. As a young girl growing up, I grew up after the Korean War. Um, World War II, Victory Gardens were that everybody did there there were no supermarkets till the 1950s people prior to that we had mom and pop places or you traded with your neighbor i remember that clearly growing up so right. having a garden you know a small garden i've always had one since i first got married I'm, and I, and as a kid i grew up on a farm so i already right. knew how to do it but exactly. having that little tomato out there, I mean, especially when the kids were growing up, we had the fresh fruit, we had the fresh vegetables. Um, I would send them out there, go out there and grab a tomato off. You know, I was making spaghetti, a little short on the sauce, go grab me four tomatoes. They bring me in four tomatoes, cut them up, throw them in there. And there you go. Yep, exactly. And it's kind of fun, teaches responsibility, also teaches about the planet and how mm -hmm. we have to heal her. And wow, how many things do we cover that's pagan right there? 
I know. That's what I'm saying. Just that in and of itself. It's just, it's small little things that you don't realize how much value is in that and how many lessons are in just that thing. And that you would think is just so mundane or, you know, people just don't think of it in that way necessarily. But it's like, there's so many little nuggets in that and that teaching a child does not have to be a special place, a special time, a special thing. Right. It is an every day, all day long, whatever you do type thing. Exactly. If you teach them they a watch all the time. All the time. They are, and they're sponges. <laughs> and if you have a Y child, bless you. You will live through it. You oh, will well, make it. <laughs> it won't be easy because the Y childs are the worst. Right. So I, I was one. That's how I can say that. But no, I really do. I really think that people need to start looking at our holidays, not necessarily for what they're known big time, but let's go back and look at the holiday and let's see what it's really about. And, you know, it's a, it's a fire holiday. It's a purification holiday. You can talk to your kids about that. That's very easy. It's fertility. Yes, but that's plants and flowers and animals and all that kind of stuff you don't have to get too far into that tell them as much as they can understand and then hey go on with the rest most of the time it's just like the meme you know i had to explain to our son that you know uncle david loves uncle john and that they're together and you know the little kid was like okay that's fine um can i have my cookie now Right, exactly. That That's about as much as of an impression most stuff leaves with a kid. So right. don't freak. Don't overthink it. Just go with the flow, answer the questions, do the little things you want to do. But that's a little bit more about it. Um, and like I said, there will be many, many um, Beltane Zooms rituals. You can go on the Corellian Hub. You can go on the Carlin website. They're plastered everywhere. You're going to see them everywhere. Um, and I do recommend if you can't get out to get one, just jump on one of the ones that somebody's hosting and just sit through it. It's, it's a very lovely ritual. Um, and because it's same weekend as our lovely lustration, you can jump right in that lustration. That's right. And I'm excited to talk about um, magic with cannabis next week. And I know you have a little bit more to touch on with Beltane. So it's going to be very exciting as we're getting ready for lustration coming up. I can't believe it's almost here. I know, but we're so excited. And it was such another fun week. Um, thank you again for your support. Don't forget to like and subscribe um youtube channel tea time with mother and crone don't forget to click the little bell so you get your notifications when we're live and now if you're a subscriber you can actually get a sneak peek of our show um so if you're a subscriber right now you might be watching us right now <laughs> and you'll get to see us um a few days before we go live on our sundays on facebook so that's another little perk and we appreciate and love um all of you and um, I think Corey, uh, Corey sent me a screenshot that she was watching us tonight. So, yeah. So, uh, oh, and we have to thank Reverend Corey. I always like to plug our artist, 
um, in any way I can. And you know, guys, I plug Cloud shamelessly every week. So we're going to plug Reverend Corey for our Corelliums. Um, it started out, I think, what Reverend Tim had his. Yeah, he had. He always had his in his live streams. So. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Well, this is this is Tim's fault, but this is made by Reverend Corey. So we're gonna <laughs> drag them both into the show. But um, seriously, um, if you're interested in these, if you go on our Facebook page um, and ask about it, we will make sure that she gets your information. Um, yes. These are wonderful to have up. I mean, they're beautiful. They are. They're absolutely gorgeous. She hand makes them. And if anybody's interested, please drop us a line. And, we'll and she, make has sure. different, she has different sizes too. So if you don't want anything that big, I think she has different, she has different sizes. Yeah. I think that's the large one, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the biggest one that she has. Okay. So. so shout out to Corey. We love you. <laughs> um, but thank you. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, but thank you again for all of your support. We are so excited to have you next week as we continue our subject on cannabis and Beltane. And it was a lot of fun as always. And we will see you next week. Okay. See y'all next time. Bye.